0: Live and let die. I'm sure that that film clip is, um, that Kicking and Screaming, I think is the name. Um, I'm sure none of you have experienced anything quite like that in uh, soccer or Little League or anything like that. Um, maybe not quite that bad at least. But it really illustrates the point, doesn't it? In terms of there is an attitude when you read the lyrics to that song. What does it matter to you? When you've got a job to do, you've got to do it well. You've got to give the other fella hell. Um, the the, the, the guy in this song that they're singing about the philosophy that that, that they're not promoting but that they are singing about and that they're trying to, to display for us there is really something that most of us run into well you know how many times a week um how many times in your life have you run into people there there is in any cost any cost at all we have to win um it's the guy who, or the person, who allows life to transform them into this, for lack of a better term, abusive user of people so that they can accomplish whatever's important to them. That's, who, that, that's this person, okay? Used to say live and let live, now you say live and let die. You know, the heck with you. I got to do what I got to do. Um, you know, and really what, obviously, there's not a lot I can do about the people in your life that you have have run into or been a victim of that are like that and maybe dealing with it right now with maybe a client or a business associate or a family member or or someone like that not a lot you can do about those things at this point in time unless you have the choice of not not being in the presence of their company but um here's my challenge all right here's what i want you to kind of focus on we make life count, and that's really the subtitle to this: making life count. We make life count when we, as individuals, keep life from making us into something like that—something terrible, something that. Uh, well, I, I worked hard on this title, and and um, I thought it was going to get edited by our censor, and I was surprised this morning that I, went back and looked at PowerPoint, and it was. It was written out just the way that I wrote it, and uh, I'm kind of proud of this. It's, it's 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 some good prose. Okay, so so here we go. How do we keep from changing life from changing us into some jerk faced manipulative, parasitic slime ball who will do anything to get ahead? I thought that was descriptive, you know. And I you know, it's I was reading it back there, and and our PowerPoint operator Josh says I read it for like you know about a minute. And he says, "What are you doing?" I said. I'm just admiring the prose. that's all, you know. <laughs> I doubt that it'll make anything in the times, but that's okay. Um, I want to give you three basic thoughts. Again, not a formula, but three basic thoughts that maybe can help you in terms of the process of not letting this happen to you. Because it can happen to a lot of people, and you've known people who, who you have loved and admired in some cases, and, and, and you know all of a sudden you wake up five or ten years or 15 years later, and, and you don't know this person. Maybe it's, maybe it's the one you see in the mirror who has become something not very nice to accomplish something that was very important to them. Obviously, it may be a business situation, but it can be other deals as well. So what are some thoughts that can help me from turning into that? That's what I want to deal with. Just three real simple things. What are some thoughts that can help me from being that? The first one is a simple one. I talk about it a lot. Um, Maybe not in these words, but I I talk about this concept a whole lot. It's very important to me personally. It should be important to you as well. And that is this. Be honestly self-aware. Be honestly self-aware. You know, it's hard to be honest with yourself sometimes. Sometimes it's hard to have people in your life that will be brutally honest with you. Socrates said it best, I use the quote a lot, the unexamined life is not worth living. And um, but we need to li- that's why we need to live and lead an examined life. The Apostle Paul wrote some very, I think, uh, astute words of wisdom to this 27 or 28-year-old pastor back in the six, around 61 or 2 A.D., he was writing to Timothy. I remember so well. It's kind of funny, really. I remember so well. I became a, a, a pastor officially. I think I was, I was just ridiculously young, and um, 28 or so. And, and uh, you know, as I've said, you don't know nothing when you're 28. But anyway, I, I, I say that jokingly because I know a lot of 28-year-olds who do know a lot. But, but I, I still have to say it. Um, and I remember reading this. I mean, I remember reading Timothy over and over and over again. Uh, as a young man um, in a position that I really wasn't, uh, that I was really in awe, you know, just humbled by and in, in awe of as, as a minister of this church. So I know Timothy pretty well. I, funny thing is I, I read it today and I still, think it's, I still think it's for me, and it is, even though I'm not 30 anymore, which might be a revelation to some of you. But anyway, here we go. First um, Timothy, he says this, First Timothy chapter 4, Paul talking to Timothy, keep a close watch on yourself. That's good. Keep a close watch on yourself and on your teaching. Stay true to what is right and God will save you and those who hear you. That's good advice. Keep a close watch on yourself. Think about that. Keep a close watch on your attitudes. Keep a close watch on your actions, you know, and, and, and on your teaching. You know, your teaching is more than what you say. One of the great Astounding Discoveries of Parenthood. In the next uh, service, we're going to have the opportunity to dedicate christen um, a baby. And um, one of the things that I always mention to parents, as I did uh, the couple, the, the, uh, the father and mother of, of young Matthew later in the, ser- in the next service, is that when we, when, what we're doing when we dedicate a child or christen a child or whatever you want to call that, is really, that's really a prayer of dedication of the parents. Because those children, one of the great discoveries of parenthood is that kids learn so much from us, not just from what, they, what we say, but from our, just how we live, how they see us interact, how they see us respond to phone calls, how they, see us, how they see mom and dad interact with each other. It's kind of funny, and I'm going to talk more about this, kind of funny, peculiar. I'm going to talk more about this in a few songs from now. One of the songs we're going to be doing, I think, in two or three weeks is uh, Daughters, uh, the John Mayer hit of last year, and uh, we're going to talk about sons too, just for the record. But, but one of the things that you're going to hear me say, and I'll get you ready for it. Now, one of the things I'm going to say in that particular uh, talk is this: you know, we live in a in an area where everybody is so concerned about getting their children, giving their children sort of a a heads up, a a, a head start on life, and to make sure they get in the right preschool, and get in the right college, and so forth. nothing wrong with that. But one of the most important things that a child needs is just what they see in their parents, how they live, how they treat each other, that they love each other. You know, that's the most important thing you can do for your kids. Just love each other. It's more important than the right preschool or the right anything. Just love each other. And kids learn so much from us in how we Act and interact in life. They, they see us, you know, when our guard is down, and, and that's the whole point. And, and that's not just true for our children; it's true for anything. That's why this this passage is just so important to all of us. Keep a close watch on yourself and on your teaching, which is not just didactical, but it's also your example. Now, think about that in terms of even where you work. People who work with you, work for you, work over you—they're learning so much about you by how you live and how you. Conduct yourself. That's part of the whole deal. Be honestly self-aware of that. You know, that's, that's just, that's huge. Um, I use this prayer a lot. You've heard me talk about it. It comes from Psalm 139. I'm going to read it. I've never read it to you before in the Amplified Bible. Just follow along. Search me thoroughly, O oh God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there is any wicked or hurtful way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. That's a great prayer. That's a prayer that each one of us need to pray probably a little more than once a day. Search me, God, and help me to know my motives. Help me to know whether I'm acting out of anger or out of jealousy or out of something else that can be hurtful to people. Search me and help me to know that. We're all aware of what we call denial. Some people call them blind spots. We need to try to do the best that we can do. And I don't think we can do it ourselves. I think we need God working inside of us. To be able to, to be able to see those and and to, to deal with those as best we can doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. Certainly that's not the case. That's why there is forgiveness. That's why Jesus came. You know, and those are the issues. Just some just some thoughts on this. Some signs that that you may not be too self aware. Um, just think about this. I'll just throw these out very quickly. You never are rarely wrong. Person not very self aware. They're never wrong. You ever know anybody like that? Rarely are they wrong. They worked, somebody told me recently of a person they were working for who they were never wrong no matter what, you know. In fact, they always blame somebody. Always have to blame somebody. Listen, if you're starting to blame people, you know, you better just take a step back. Like, now wait a minute. That's one of the biggest things we like to do. Um, You rarely examine long-held beliefs. Nothing wrong with examining. Even core beliefs to think and rethink that. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that at all. I mean, what, what good belief can't take a challenge? Um, the last time you said, I'm sorry, was the last century. I was talking with somebody. I mean, we know people like that. I was talking with someone recently, and, and they're in a, they a work in a quote-unquote Christian organization. And they were telling me about their, their, the head of that group. And, and uh, they were saying, you know, he never says, I'm sorry. And I said, that's a problem because I don't care who he is, I'm sure he makes mistakes. And, and, you know, I don't know if you've thought about that or not, but in your own life, even talking about kids, you ever said sometimes, hey, you know what, I'm sorry. I, I didn't do what was right. Because you're not every time, whether it be concerning them or whether it be regarding some other issue in life and so forth. Uh, you're overly critical. The thing about overly critical people is they're not, you know, you're really not doing much self-awareness. Because if you are you wouldn't be too critical because the first moment that i get so angry about that person that cuts me off in traffic i got to stop and think but well, wait a minute have you ever done that nah no of course i have and but it just kind of it makes you step back a little bit it makes you soften up a little bit say okay overly critical people aren't very self aware i don't want to be too critical because i may make that same mistake doesn't mean you shouldn't doesn't mean you 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 Shouldn't be aware of what's right and what's wrong. That's not the point at all. But uh, be self-aware. Honestly, self-aware. That's the first thought. It's going to keep us from turning into this nasty curmudgeon, you know? Second thing. This is a good one, too. Be cooperative with the processes of God. I use the, I chose those words very carefully. Um, let me show you this. This is an important issue. It's one that I talk... Often about this is a verse. I, I dare say, and I'm not going to. I'm not anything super spiritual or anything, but I dare say there's probably not many days that I don't think about this verse because I get angry with myself or I get impatient with myself or something else, and and uh, and, and so forth. And and this is just one of those great verses that just really helps you. It's a great concept, and this is this is for those people who, in whatever whatever level they happen to be, they're people of faith. And it's one of those verses, well, let me just read it to you. Philippians 1, New Testament, verse 6. And I am sure that God who began the good work within you, talking to people of faith here, will continue his work until it is finally finished. When's that going to be? On the day when Jesus comes back. You, if, you're, if you're a person of faith, you are a work in progress. It helps you lighten up a little bit. It also helps you view others as a work in for wherever they are in that whole scale. Some people are a little further along. Sometimes we get a little further along We take a few steps backwards. Sometimes you think to yourself, I've many times thought, I should be beyond wrestling with a temptation like this. You don't get beyond those. We're all works in progress or in process, both and uh, wherever we are in that whole spectrum of life, and particularly for these people who who have committed their lives to, to, to seeking to live a life that would please God. That's a great thought. You know, sometimes there are dramatic changes that take place in our lives. Sometimes it can be credited to God that a person who's had a huge problem with alcohol or tobacco or some other chemical addiction like that sometimes they will credit god with giving the ability to make a dramatic break from that sometimes they're not dramatic breaks. sometimes subtle little changes in attitude begin good good changes begin to take place as we seek to be what god wants us to be and we can credit that to the process i was talking to a friend the other day and who's a person of faith and they were talking to me about how you know i had one of those quote-unquote, God moment, something happened in a store, and, 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 and normally I would have snapped at somebody, and all of a sudden I found myself responding in, in, in a way that was really the right way, and I was like, whoa, where did this come from? You know, and, and I think all of us have had some of those almost out-of-body experiences. That's part of the process of God. Of course, we have the other ones too, and those are the kind we got to just say, okay, God, I'm still in process here, all right? So God began the work with you, He will complete it. I like the way this is worded. When it is finally finished, finally, okay? Which basically means when you either, either when Jesus comes back or when you go to meet Jesus, one or the other, you know? And and so again, this, that's one of the reasons we can lighten up a little bit. You know, it doesn't, doesn't give us an excuse to do whatever we want to do. I'm not saying that, but it sure is refreshing to know that. Be cooperative with that process. God's at work. Don't resist that. Be cooperative with that. Third thing I want you to see, which kind of puts it all together. How am I going to keep from being this, ah, I've got to say it again. How am I going to keep from being this jerk faced, manipulative, parasitic slime ball who will do anything to get ahead? Gosh, that's great writing. Um, be honestly self-aware. Be cooperative with the processes of God. Third thing, seek to live unaffected by life circumstances. This is huge. This is huge. This kind of brings it all together right here for us. This is the part that, unfortunately, we sometimes fail. And yes, we are a product of our experiences. We are a product of our background. Uh, We're a product of our families. Yes, all of that. But we must be careful that we don't use that for an excuse. And granted, you know, you can sit and tell somebody, you know, why you are the way you are. And you can tell them about some traumatic experiences that you had. And maybe they can top them. Maybe you, they can't. But it doesn't really matter. Because the circumstances of life too often mold us into something that we shouldn't be. But we must resist that. We have to resist that. And I, I got some things here that I want you just to kind of mull over in your mind a little bit. All people. All people, but especially people of faith, need to live above their circumstances. I mean, you think about this. If you don't, my goodness, you're in for an up and down roller coaster kind of life. And yes, there are a lot of people who live like that. Just their emotions, their moods—they're up and down, up and down, all over the place. To be, you know, had a horrible day today. Oh yeah, you know. Sometimes we even take it into other areas of our life. I, you know, I had, I don't know if you know, I don't know if I've ever confessed this or not. I've confessed so many things to you. I had to quit playing golf one time in my life. I don't mean for a day, um, that too. But I had, to, I had to quit for a period of time. No, no, no kidding. Because, and this was several years ago, I, every time I had a bad day on the golf course, which would happen, <laughs> which would happen more than half the time, um, I would just turn in, I mean, really, I would come home and I'd be angry and I'd be, no kidding, I know this is hard to believe about, you know, this wonderful pastor here, but uh, I would be angry and I'd be grumpy and I didn't, Charlene, finally Charlene was like, you know, if you're going to do this as a diversion and you come home and treat me and the kids like crap, what, what's the deal, you know, she didn't say crap, I do, but, um, um, and you know, what? It, 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 I just said, I got to quit, quit for a couple years. Because of what it was doing to me. Now, I can do that with golf. You can do that with maybe a diversion. You may not be able to do that with your job, though, huh? Well, I need to quit my job. (laughs) Well, (laughs) maybe. um, Or maybe you need to get control with God's power of your emotions. And I don't think you can do it without God's power, just for the record. I have several verses I want you to read. Just uh, I, Actually, I covered these verses last Sunday night in our second Sunday service. So those of you who are here are going to get a double dose. But that's okay. You probably need it. Um, um, it comes from, again, the book of Philippians chapter 4. For I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. Do we have this? Um, I bet we do. Yeah, there we go. For I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with humble means... And I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. Whether I have a lot, whether I have a little. That's an amazing, I just, you know, I could probably talk about that, I could probably talk about that concept behind these verses every day, every Sunday. We need to live lives as, as difficult as it may be that are unaffected by life circumstances. We don't need just to kind of conjure up enough strength to, to live the right way for a little while. Pascal, who I'm just loving more and more of his writings. Pascal said this, the strength of a man's virtue should not be measured by his special exertions but by his habitual acts. All of us can can just, you know, crank it up a notch. Okay, I'm going to be really good this week, this month. But but the point is, when we have God working inside of us, this this can be a consistent... That's how God would want us to live. Not up and down like a roller coaster. Um. L- seek to live unaffected by life circumstances. And when you think about that, you know, that's not an easy... That's easy to talk about. That's not always easy to do. That's why that's so key in that passage where it says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And sometimes you get into those situations where you're like, okay, God, here I am. I'm, I'm here again, and, and I'm, I'm feeling like... Just like I have been ridden hard and put up wet, and I don't know what I'm going to do. So that's an old country saying, sorry. And... Uh, um and I don't know what I'm going to do, you know, and that's when we just really have to, whether it be a simple little thing or whether it be a big thing that we're dealing with, that's when we have to rely on God's strength and God's power within us. I want to show you one last thing, and then we're going to have a song that's going to, one more song that's going to deal with all these things. But I want to to hit this last thing very, very succinctly, but at the same time with enough impact that I want you to see it. One of my, um, this, I think this quote I don't remember if I've ever used it before or not. It's one of my favorite quotes, and it's one that it's a guy that I'm quoting more and more of, Seneca, who was a Roman dramatist and a philosopher and a and a politician in Rome around somewhere before 50 BC or 50 AD, excuse me. Um, and as I just I think it kind of wraps up this whole thing when we talk about uh, seeking to live a life that's unaffected by life's circumstances. And it, well, let me just read it, and we'll talk about it for a moment. If you see a man unterrified in the midst of dangers, untouched by desires, happy in adversity, peaceful amid the storm, will you not say a divine power has descended upon this man? Let's think about that for a moment. If you see a man unterrified in the midst of All kinds of stuff going on. Deals falling apart. Dangers. Untouched by desires. Whether that be materialistic desires, lustful desires. Desires to strike back. Happy in adversity. Peaceful amid just the storms of life. Will you not say that a divine power has descended upon this person? I mean that that really says it all. That's what the apostle Paul is talking about when he says, "I know how to get along with a lot. I know how to get along with a little." And it may be material. I had an interesting. Let me just. Let me just. Got enough time. Just let me give a little interjection right here. We talk about material stuff. Well, that's one of the issues for many of us. Had I had a. I had a interesting lesson this week. Um, I did my, uh, the group that I, uh, my friend and I do, as many of you know, if you don't know, UN prayer group with some of the ambassadors. And, and I, I read to them this passage from, from Proverbs that deals with this particular concept. Lord, help me not to tell a lie. And Lord, help me not to have too little or too much. Help me not to have too little so I don't steal. Help me not to have too much so that I question my doubt and my need for God. And I read that, and I talked about the, uh, the uh, burning within all of us sometimes to be discontent with our circumstances, particularly as it involves stuff. I talked a little bit about that. And, uh, and I said, I oh, said, so what do you all think about that? And one of the ambassadors said this. Keep in mind, most of these guys are, are from European countries or, or uh, Asian countries and some African countries. So what you may not realize as I haven't always, even though I've traveled some, particularly in the, uh, in Eastern Europe, um, is that materialism isn't, when you don't have a capitalistic society, you, materialism isn't quite the, the, the pull that it is for us. And one of the ambassadors says to me, you know, we really, we really don't care about money. And I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. And, uh, and they know where I live. And, and one of them said, you know, unlike... And he said it this way. Unlike your Wall Street mavens. He said, we're just... And I'm like, I don't own any Wall Street mavens. But anyway, um, he, he, said, he said, unlike your Wall Street mavens. So I said it half kiddingly, but half serious. He said, we're not driven by money. We're, we're just happy with our circumstances as they are, materialistically. So I was kind of, at this point, kind of kind of desperate. And I said, well, how are you doing with that lion part? And one of them said... Well, that's a different issue. <laughs> um, here's the point that I want you to see. I'm not sure I totally believe that, but I, under- I understand where they're coming from. Particularly in most of these countries, are socialistic in in, in, polit- in a political nature. Oftentimes, oftentimes, we allow what's going on around us. Materialism is a good way to good place to start. Let's not stop there though. Where we it, it makes us discontent. Then we go a little step further, we see people well, look at his life or her life. They seem to have it all. Then we get away from the material stuff and we say, well, you know, they seem to really have their life together. Why isn't my life like that? And we start looking around and it causes us discontent. We can't do that. I mean, first of all, we don't know. That's, that's, that's We don't know. We can make comparisons, but but it's really from blindness because we really don't know what's going on here. But the issue is, God, give me the ability to be content, to be happy with whatever's going on around me, whether, it, whether, whether I don't have enough stuff or whether I don't have the right position or whether my kids aren't particularly this way or that way. Or, or I don't have the right people around me, or whatever. When you see a person that is unterrified in the midst of these dangers of life, untouched by desires, happy in adversity, peaceful amid the storm, will you not say, a divine power, a divine power has descended upon this man? That's the deal. And let me just say this. I don't want to pray, and we're going to have the band and singers come up. You can't do this by yourself. You can't keep from turning into this manipulative, parasitic curmudgeon. You can't do that by yourself. It's going to take an act of God, not a one-time act, but a continual action, activity of God working within you. That's why Jesus came. That's why we have a relationship with God or can have a relationship with God. That's why also there is this thing called forgiveness for the times that I don't meet the standard that I need to meet. Let's pray together. You guys, come on up while we're praying. Uh, God, we are grateful. As we think about these truths... We are grateful that we have a God in heaven, that we have the ability to have a relationship with him through you, Lord, through Jesus, that can give us not only all that we need in a spiritual sense, but give us the right attitudes, the right motivations, the right thought life that we need in life. Whether, whether there's a discontent there because of maybe my marriage, maybe materialistically I don't have what I need or want, house needs to be a little bigger, my job's not the right job. I don't have the right friends around me. For some folks here, maybe it's just having a mate at all. Whatever our particular circumstance, God, we pray that we would, we would look to you in giving us the ability to be content, to be um, fulfilled with where we are. And God, we thank you that in all of this, as we deal with those, those people in life that will do anything, will do anything to get ahead. In all of this, God, it is about forgiveness for us and for them. And we pray that we would keep that just on the forefront of our mind. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.